Thanks for tuning into the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And thanks to Suja Organic for their support. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Sujo Organic. Excited to have uh, our guest in, Herb Courtney, uh, CEO, founder of Renaissance Search and Consulting. Uh, I'm just excited to talk about Herb with his journey, uh, not only uh, starting in the recruiting space and as, a, and as a division one coach, but also now in the search firm space, uh, specifically uh, and heavily around college athletics. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of just the hiring trends, kind of what's going on in that world. What are employees seeking? What are employers seeking? Um, and nonetheless, Herb, welcome. No, Jake, I appreciate you having me on today. Definitely looking forward to the conversation. And I can't introduce you without forgetting the recent 40, 40 under 40 uh, nominee. So uh, congrats on that and uh, excited to have you on. No, thank you. Definitely a great honor. It was completely unexpected, but um, no, it's it pretty cool to you know what my, my team and I are doing to have that recognized like that. So it was a great, great, great recognition. Let's start off the episode just talking about, um, you know, you started your career in the IT recruiting space. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one would go, how the heck do you get into college athletics, search and consulting further yeah. down the road? And also, how do you get into coaching uh, D1 programs from being in IT and recruiting? In For corporate? sure. Yeah, definitely um, unconventional path, but I feel most people have different paths, right? And I think that's the great thing about sports or really any industry, uh, you know, when people are kind of ascending to where they're trying to get to. But, you know, for me, um, you know, recruiting, I always say kind of finds you, right? I didn't, you know, go to school for that or, um, you know, I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur or get into uh, recruiting coming out of college. But, you know, after I went to school at University of Delaware, played basketball there, and then I played overseas for a couple of years in Argentina, Israel and Turkey. And then like every athlete, you got to figure out what you're going to do. Right. Once the once you stop playing. And one of my friends was working for this IT firm and um, he's like, hey, I think it'll be a great opportunity for you. You like working with people. Um, you know, I think, you know, you should give it a try. Right. And so I uh, interviewed and, and um, you know, it, it was a great organization or is a great organization. It's the largest IT services firm in the country. And um, for me, it taught me how to, you know, search. Right. Um, you know, I kind of had a lot of different industries that we recruited in from an IT perspective was financial services, pharma, um, you know, uh, government. Uh, so it kind of gave you a, like a, a really a breath of it, just recruiting different people, different skill sets, um, and kind of really honed in my skills and definitely use that as a foundation of when I started my firm. So, so that was a great experience for me. I was there for about three and a half years, but just because of my background in sports. I played basketball my whole life. I just had that itch, right? I said, you know, I told my wife, I was like, I need to, I need to try this coaching thing. Right. And um, so I was able to get a great opportunity up at Binghamton University and I was there for well, seven years. So, um, 
which was awesome. Had a great experience, coached some great players. We had a really good and cohesive staff. But, um, you know, for me, I wanted to kind of marry the two skills that I, you know, was able to attain through my experiences in my career, you know, the recruiting piece and then, you know, athletics and kind of merging it and being more on the business side of things. Um, you know, personally, I just, I wanted more control of my career and, and, you know, where you want to live and all that stuff. And, you know, in coaching, you're not afforded that. And, you know, I have a young family, got two boys, six and four. So, um, you know, I wanted, I had an idea where I wanted to raise my family. And, uh, so I was like, you know, let's, let's start our own thing and, and see what we could do. So when you think about your experience going overseas and, and kind of that, oh crap moment, what's going to be next? Uh, first of all, playing in Israel, Turkey, uh, I mean, fascinating places to play, cultures to learn about, people you're probably around, uh, and just people to learn from. But when you think about all the coaches you've had throughout your career on the playing side, yeah, how did that influence you in your thoughts about what was next? No, for sure. You know, I, I've, I've been extremely fortunate to play with some great coaches from high school to college, right? My, my high school coach was a Hall of Fame coach in Pennsylvania, legendary coach in Walt Ostrowski. And, um, you know, so I learned a lot from him, right? Uh, you know, for, for him, you know, he always expected, um, you know, your best and a standard of excellence from how we look how we play we were always very well put together he, you know invested in us and uh so I, you know for me even now as i as i start my firm and and grow it you know that is important to me right how we show up is important you know uh perception is reality right so he was very i learned that from him right he was always the the best dress coach i've you know i've, I've met right and and that was in high school and usually you know high school coaches don't usually do that and then in college, uh, I played for David Henderson and Monte Ross. So David Henderson was a, a Duke, uh, one of Coach K's first recruiting class that really got Duke to that national prominence. And, you know, for him, you know, he was an econ major at Duke. I learned a lot. I learned business and just thinking outside of just basketball, right? And same thing with, with, with uh, Coach Ross. You know, he was very business-minded and, you know, they – I would say never put all their eggs in one basket per se, right? So just having that holistic view on how to to grow yourself as an individual, um, you know, professionally and and personally, uh, I really took a lot from those two. And then when you play overseas, it's a wholly, you know, totally different experience, right? I think, you know, I, I had a great experience. I, you know, Argentina was my first, um, you know, contract after school and, you know, I've never traveled outside the States before that I was, you know, thrown in this super small province in Argentina, like I was culture shock, right. Um, but they value different things, right. For them, it, it's not, it's less materialistic, more experience and family and, um, you know, uh, just cultivating that type of environment. So, you know, that kind of changes your your perspective, uh, especially coming from the States where you want the, the freshest Nikes and all that other stuff, right? So, um, so and how that intersects with my business now is when I'm growing a team, I want it to be that, right? I want it to be uh, an environment where people love working and know each other and, and it's not transactional. We don't wanna do business 
we don't want to be labeled as, as a transactional partner, right? We want to be a value partner. So I really learned that from my time overseas because it's not transactional over there. Um, you know, so all those things kind of culminate to, to kind of who you are and 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 what you want to be. And, and, you know, after that experience overseas and you're just like, well, what am I going to do? Right. And, and you, you kind of find ways and things that you've kind of experienced and you want to kind of integrate that into your next opportunity. So that's kind of each move that I made, I felt was a byproduct of my prior experiences, whether it's playing for, you know, different coaches or the experiences that I had overseas. When you were in the coaching role at Binghamton, did you have an inkling of like, oh, I want to go coach here or I want to do this uh, because it allows me to, you know, go live in XYZ place? Or are you coaching, maximizing that experience from a uh, perspective of, you know, skills that you can acquire, uh, knowledge you can acquire to then take to whatever's next, right? Yeah, I think it's both, right? Um, for me, you know, you wanna, you wanna do a great job where you are and, and acquire all that knowledge that you're able to attain through your staff and players and experience. But, you know, you also have, um, you know, ideas and, and, you know, wanting to, maybe work at, you know, different conferences or certain programs that maybe resonate with you and where you're trying to go personally and professionally. So for me, it was both, right? Um, you know, extremely grateful for Binghamton University. They gave me my first, um, you know, coaching job, but like most coaches, you never stay, all right, in the same place uh, for, you know, ever or your career, you always move around. For me, I wanted to be strategic in where I moved, right? And and um, that, like I said, that was kind of aligned with where I wanted to be and, you know, coaches that I wanted to learn from. So, um, you know, definitely wanting to be strategic in that um, for sure. Let's talk about that last point because you're, you're now working on searches with people, not only to uh, recruit for them of what they want, but then you're also working with people to go, Hey, what's, what's the best fit for you? Uh, and, and, and is there a marriage in, in the two or, Hey, do you need to look for something different when you're talking to people now about where they want to live and, you know, family situation. And is that changing from maybe a couple years past of, of kind of the mindset of, of what people were willing to do or willing to go, uh, in terms of taking a job? Yeah, you know, especially depending upon the, the level, right? I think, you know, for, for us, we've been fortunate enough to work across multiple industries, you know, not just college and professional sports, but also in the corporate space as well and entertainment and beauty and retail. And if you're recruiting and, um, you know, you're talking with someone, yes, their values and, and what they want in a job change, right? And some um, you know, some people, especially during COVID and going through that experience, value things differently now, like, you know, work-life balance and, you know, able to work remotely and um, having that flexibility, um, you know, having more stability is extremely important because now you, you really can't forecast, 
you know, um, an event like COVID, right? So, you know, people are trying to protect themselves the best they can. So yeah, now more, especially on our end, it's extremely important to figure out what is important to, to that individual. Um, and then we can go off, you know, have a conversation from there. And, and then, yeah, I think if once we have that conversation and the opportunity aligns with what they're looking for, then we have that marriage, right? Then we, we have something we can start from. But, you know, if we have, we're having these conversations that, hey, I need to have this, this, and this, and that. And I know like that client can't accommodate that. There's no point in us really, um, you know, moving forward with that opportunity. But it's great that we've had that conversation because now I know when I do get something that aligns with what they're looking for, then then we then we can come together again, right? Just because I don't place you in one opportunity doesn't mean we can't help you with future opportunities. We just want to get it right for the client and the candidate, right? So that's that's really our approach to how we want to uh, approach opportunities. And let's talk about the recruiting and relationship building on both sides, right? So you've yeah. got the recruiting clients, right, to use you as as a search firm from the perspective of relationship building over time, as you mentioned, not transactional. And then you've got a whole network that not only your staff has with their own individual networks, but how you grow your network and build relationships from a recruiting perspective to make sure that you can deliver for those clients. Walk us through the process on both sides, where some of the overlap is from a similarity perspective, of course, with just, you know, the, the relationship building as a whole, right? That's not a whole lot different, but, um, there's also probably some differences as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, for us on the client side, you know, really before we get any kind of opportunity, I just like spending time with the client, right? Um, getting to talk to the stakeholders, understanding what's important, understanding culture, um, what type of individual, you know, has success there, right? I think that's really important. We have to be, have a clear understanding of that really before we get an opportunity. Um, you know, I feel like you really can't effectively recruit uh, on behalf of a client if you really don't understand their core values and insights and mission and all that, right? So um, you can do it on Zoom, which is great. But for me, it's, I love the face-to-face, -face, you know, we can sit down together and, and whether it's over lunch, dinner, you know, just spending some time getting to know each other and get to know, know how we operate, right? Like for us, we like to be super involved. We wanna, wanna, you know, take things off of the AD or CEO or whoever, their plate and really make it a seamless process, right? I want the client to feel like that white glove treatment. And then on the other side, I want the candidate to feel that as well, because at the end of the day, we are representatives of the, the client, right? So we wanna make sure in our interactions with the candidates that they have that positive experience. So even if they don't get the job, they don't hold, you know, the client in ill will because of how the search was conducted, right? It was, we want everything to be of, of the highest integrity, um, you know, open communication and, 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 you know, and giving real feedback when we can. Um, and sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? You know, in, in terms of, I hate using the word fit, but um, because it's such an exclusive word, but you know, if things aren't aligned, right? And then, um, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out, but we wanna make sure both 
both parties have a great experience. And then, you know, we want to measure the outcomes, right? We want to measure, like, you know, when people ask us, well, how do you measure success in a search, right? And I think for us, it's efficiency. Like when we're getting together and we had that initial conversation and we're mapping out the process and what does that look like and timeline that we adhere to everything, right? And, and we did it at a very high level. Um, you know, so that's very important to us. And then I would say retention is another thing. It's another, it's one thing to, to attract somebody, right? It's another thing from a retention standpoint, how long are our people staying there, right? And, and having an impact within the organization and their community, right? And when you're placing leaders, right? I think that's their ability, that's their job, right? Is to positively impact the organization and, the, and their community. And um, we want the people that we place to do that at a very high level, right? So that's a measurement of success for us. And then obviously the, um, you know, the satisfaction of the client and the candidate, right? Making sure that, you know, whether it's through a survey or, you know, just, you know, getting on a call, you know, 30 days, 60 days after the placement and just kind of taking that deep dive and say, hey, you know, what would you think about the process? You know, is there things that we couldn't have done better? What did you like, right? Taking all those insights and making sure that we've done everything we could to provide that best experience on both sides. So, you know, for us, that's kind of how we we kind of approach a search and and from a candidate and a client perspective. One part of that recruiting relationship building perspective is asking really good questions, right? And, yeah. and being able to get the right information from the right questions what are a couple of your favorite questions to ask? Uh, and from a tactical perspective of really understanding um, that relationship building piece, what are some tactics you use to, to do so? Yeah, I mean, I think for when I'm looking from a candidate side to really get to know someone, I wanna get to know their career ambitions, right? I wanna know, you know, what do they want out of this opportunity or an op? or whatever an opportunity, what makes sense for them next, right? And, and having that clear understanding uh, is, is really important. I like to understand who, who's in their corner, right? Who's their board of directors? Who can advocate on your behalf that can really speak to your skill set, you your skill set and you as a person, right? Um, because at the end of the day, if you ask most leaders, um, you know, they want the 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 personality integrity is more important than a technical piece of it right you can you you can teach someone a tech uh, you know a tech and a technical skill but you want to work with great people right and great people make organizations so for us you know when we're having these conversations with candidates yeah we want to we want to glean all that information from them and understand who they are as a person and their why i think their why is super important why they do what they do because it takes a lot of time effort sacrifice not just on them but for their family so i want to understand what motivates them but also my job is to validate that right so you can tell me all that great stuff you can put it in a resume but my job is to make sure what matches what you say on that paper is matches reality right so you know yeah we call the references that you list on uh, on your reference sheet, but you know, I'm calling. I'm usually calling people 
not on that sheet because hopefully those people are going to tell me what you want to hear anyway. I want to talk to the people you work with before different organizations, whether you're in the same league, um, you know, if you work to, you know, two schools pre prior to that, I want to talk to the trainer, you know, everybody, right. I want to glean all as much information I can. That's my job, right. That's our job to make sure that what you're telling us really matches in reality. So we, there is that fit and it is validated and we have the information to back that up. When, when you flip it to the employee side, right. And those that are in the industry and they go, you know, they're climbing the ladder, they're, they're moving places and they go, well, what's a search firm? Why would I, why would I use a search firm? Who, you know, why do I need to know them or how do I get to know them? Right? Like what in that ecosystem, what is the way to get in with the search firms and build relationships and, and ultimately get an understanding of how they can help you. Right. Cause you know, it's not just a, Hey, what job do you have for me five years from now? It's a, Hey, who do I know that I could help you with a search that you have right now and so on and so forth. So how do you, what, what, what advice and insights do you have for those that are in the industry going, Hey, here's how you build relationships with search firms. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, I think most people in industry realize search firms do have a place in the industry, right. In terms of the hiring and more institutions before I, you know, maybe it was just more power five institutions that were using search firms. Now, I think, you know, from if you're high major to low major and anywhere in between, you know, at some point they're going to use a search firm. So um, my advice really is to get to know most or all search firms, right? And build the relationship, you know, authentically, right? I think, you know, if you're close to getting an AD or coaching or, you know, front office uh, position, I think you need to invest some more time and getting to know the search firms that, you know, are are relevant and, and that are, you know, working maybe in that area, you know, because each, each firm has, you know, different geographical, you know, um, I don't say preference, but, you know, they, they have a sweet spot, right? So, um, you know, do your research, right? I think um, when you can have someone reach out on your behalf that has worked with a firm before, or maybe that firm has placed them, I think that's always a good way to kind of get an introduction to the firm, right? Because it's a warm connection. It's not a cold call. It's not like, hey, this random person's hitting me up. Um, you know, um, I think having, having those warm introductions help, right? Um, I think getting out to events, right? I'm out at events all the time because that's my job, right? I need to get to know the, 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 the best and the brightest people out there, right? So when we're going to a lot of these events, whether it's a NACTA or a CALS or, you know, wherever, um, any industry event, you know, uh, introduce yourself, make sure you, you spend time and, and, um, and, and be able to articulate, you know, who you are and, and what you do and why and all that, right. And create that, that connection and then follow up. Just don't have that one touch point. Now, you know, you got to follow up and, and, and it's on the firm to follow up too. Right. So, you know, that's one thing that we want to do is, uh, is, um, you know, when people reach out, we want to get back, we want to gather that information. We want to understand where you are, where you want to go, and then, you know, help you on that journey. Right. And um, so I know it's a long winded answer, but I, d I do think, 
you know, it's on both parties to really make sure that there is communication and um, that you're kind of working together and, and they understand where you're trying to go. As we wrap up the episode, what are, what are like the top two trends that you're seeing in the hiring space right now? And something that's maybe surprised you along the way as, as you've continued more and more searches? Yeah, I mean, right now, especially in athletics, people are leaving, right? Um, it's a huge time commitment. Um, you're working six days a week some with some of these roles and, you know, you're underpaid compared to maybe on the corporate side or professional side, right? So I think college um, and athletics as a whole kind of has to probably reevaluate, you know, um, in terms of compensation analysis and um, employee value proposition and just doing things to engage employees so they can attract better talent because talent is leaving the industry. That's a fact, right? At record highs. So that's definitely one trend, uh, not a great trend, um, but I think another trend from a, from a hiring standpoint is, you know, the skill set, right? You have to be such a multifaceted individual to evolve with sports, right? I think with technology and analytics and all these different things that are being introduced into the industry, you have to be on top of that, right? It's it's continually changing. You have, when you look at the college landscape, you have NIL and, and you know, transfer portal and all these things that you know that are really pressing issues now you know um, student welfare right student student athlete welfare mental health and really be able to speak and support your student athletes right so you have to do so many things now as a leader today and you have to be on top of it right so those are trends that we are really seeing that people and that they need to have those skills and so my question is, is how are you staying on top of these things? How are you developing these skills so you can be the best leader in today's landscape, right? So those are things that I, I'm definitely seeing right now, um, you know, from a trend standpoint. And one thing that you can bet on is, is going to continue to evolve and change, right? And so we as an industry have to continue to, to change our skill sets and, and what we see is important. What's one thing that the corporate world does really well that sports can adapt or, or evolve and, and mold uh, along the way? Process, for sure. You know, they have, they're more process oriented and more, I would say, um, yeah, I would definitely say from a process standpoint, right? I think, no matter what, like if you're hiring a CEO, how, that search could take four, five, six months right like depending on the level and you have a board of directors and you have all these different layers and, and i'm just saying searches to take that long in college athletics but when you're hiring a head coach i mean some some sometimes we want that done in like 14 days right so you know i do think sometimes you have to slow down to get it right right uh, and um i don't think there's anything wrong with that if you, if you can take your time to make the right hire, make the right hire. Don't rush because then you're just spending more time, more money, more resources on trying to get it right a year or two from now, right? So it's that continuous cycle. You don't see that cycle in corporate because they do invest time, money into process. When you look at, um, you know, supporting um, 
internal employees. There's a ton of programming, right, and and resources to help um, organizations uh, and their and their employees for professional development. And they spend a ton of money with that. They're very good at on the corporate side investing in technology. Now, the very top of college athletics, they do that, but I wouldn't say that's a whole, right? I know you need the resources. Uh, and then pay, right? I work with uh, leaders all the time in, in corporate America. They're always doing comp analysis, right? How often are we doing comp analysis in, in, in college athletics to make sure you're competitive um, to get the best talent, right? Because that's in, in, in corporate, that's what they're tasked to do is get the best talent. Right. So you have to do all these things to ensure that you're you're putting yourself in that in that position. Well, Herb, it's one it's it's one thing to be competitive against your peers. But if all your peers are not competitive against the corporate landscape or, or others where the talent's going, it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be competitive to all industries, not yeah. just competitive within sports and yeah. not just oh, well, it's college athletics versus professional sports versus minor league, you know, teams and leagues. It's, it's all industries right now. Granted, there's certainly some exceptions, right? Engineering and, and, yeah. and software engineers and, and, you know, certain spaces certainly garner, uh, you know, a lot more because of this, the call it the revenue, the tech space, what, you know, wherever the funding and the resources are coming from, as you mentioned, but again, generally speaking, at a higher level leadership roles, like the, the industries, you know, what, what are some of the ones that you would suggest, hey, you've got to be competitive against this industry? Yeah, no, that's, you know, I think the funny, the good thing with sports, it, it intersects a lot of industries, right? Or like it could be, you know, entertainment, um, you know, media, um, you know, retail, right? So a lot of these industries, one way or another, intersect with sports, right? And so um, I think those are industries where people are leaving sports to those um, other industries, right? So I think having having a pulse on what the entertainment industry is doing, you know, what the you know media landscape, you know, entertainment is doing, um, you know, the the retail companies you know, what they're doing um, is, is important, having a pulse on that, obviously keeping, uh, you know, updated on current events, whether it's through like the Wall Street Journal, right, where they, I think they do a great job of breaking down each industry and what's going on. That's a, that's something that's very easy to kind of track. So um, I do think tech is an outlier. I, I, you know, they, you know, Silicon Valley and all that, like they pay way more and tech is just, there's so much money in it right now. Um, I don't think that's realistic to to compare that, but there's definitely there's definitely other other industries that they can um, really compare themselves to. Ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. All right, position that you didn't play in basketball that you would have wished you could have played. I mean, Unless I you played all five and you were just you know. No, I, I would say you know what I would say point guard. You know, scoring point guard. I wanted the ball in my hands more. <laughs> uh coaching wise what what was the go-to um saying or or you know motivation uh theme what what was that for you um i would say um 
the first thing that comes to mind, I will always beg on just stay within yourself, right? Do what you can do at, at the best of your ability, right? I don't need you to have this outer body experience to help us win. I just need do what you do and do it great. Love to win or hate to lose? Um, hate to lose. That's always a difficult one. It is. I hate losing though. It hurts way more. <laughs> um, one skill that you find that a lot of people don't have that makes certain people successful? Ability to storytell. And what is one skill that people uh, have often, but can't maximize it? What's going to don't maximize it? That is a great question. Um, I think I probably would stem. I mean, I would say like, first things come to mind is like communication, right? Like I think people can communicate. They don't maximize how they communicate, whether it's concise messaging or, um, you know, just keeping people in the loop. Um, leadership is a lot about communication and uh, everyone obviously can't communicate, but how, how do you do it at such a high level? What's the one place in the world you mentioned, you, you know, you played in Argentina, Israel, Turkey, you hadn't traveled internationally. What's the one place in the world you haven't been that you want to go to? Um, no, I would love to go to, my roommate was from Nigeria and, uh, we, 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 uh, we lived together for uh, five years in school. So that's one place I've always wanted to go, like West, Af like the Western Afri Africa, whether it's Nigeria or Ghana or something like that. So I would love to love to go there or, or South Africa, maybe Cape Town. Somewhere. Love it. Last one for you. Uh, obviously played basketball, college professionally. What's one sport that you didn't get to play as much growing up that you would have loved to take to that next level? Um... I love, even when I was younger, I like, I like playing golf. Like my dad played golf. I just didn't play it a lot and just never have time. And then when you kind of focus, I would love to be a great golfer, you know, especially now, you know, but, uh, so yeah, that's definitely one that, or I definitely have an appreciation for, uh, soccer. Um, I never played it, but going overseas and especially living in Argentina and that is life out there. Yeah. Um, you know, I can, I can appreciate the footwork and all that. I can never do it, but that'd be pretty awesome being a, 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 a soccer player. Well, basketball, too much, too much hands. You, you probably yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. So can't do that. Can't do nope. that. Uh, Herb, really appreciate uh, your time, insights, perspectives, uh, really appreciate the conversation. Uh, just around, you know, your journey, uh, what you're seeing in the industry, uh, and ultimately what Renaissance has become. So I uh, appreciate it. Definitely look forward to having you on and again in the near future to continue this conversation. As you, as you mentioned, it continues to change and evolve. So appreciate it. No, I appreciate you having me. I'd love to be back on anytime. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember, you can get 15% off any one-time pack on shop.sujajuice.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. 
And remember, if you like this episode or you like the Life in the Front Office podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really appreciate you tuning in and stay tuned for the next one.